Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode here on Journalist Talk. I'm your host, Bea Bajos, and today I have Jorge Flores. He's a public speaker and bilingual content specialist at Unidos US. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure for me to be here. I congratulate you already on your podcast. It's the first time I'm here at CSUN, so I think it's a special, special day. There we go. We're making memories today. For real. <laughs> I would like to ask you to give us a brief biography about yourself. We know journalists cannot be brief, so just tell us what my listeners should know about yourself. Of course. Yes. So just like you said, uh, right now I am a public speaker. What I do is that I present on different topics regarding uh, personal branding, leadership, um, public speaking precisely to high school and uh, college students. Uh, usually I, I get invited to go to these leadership forums here at the U.S. in Mexico and Latin America. Right now, after COVID-19, we learned that we can just connect with everybody, whoever we want, right, through Zoom. So that's what I've been doing for the past uh, two years, uh, getting uh, this participation on these forums um, virtually. But I am a journalist, and what I do right now as a content specialist at Unidos US is that we advocate for Latinos across the country. We have different programs from health, um, economics, politics, And what we're trying to do is that we are promoting our programs towards our community and more than just literacy or helping them out on understanding the most important issues that they are affecting our community in the country is more about how can we empower the people so they know what they should know, but also here are the tools for you to to get some action, to put some feet in the ground. Um, I was born and raised in Mexico. So I came here to the States five years ago, like you said, and, and now that I'm getting to know you, uh, Beatriz, um, by myself, my family still lives in Mexico, most of my family. And it's just that uh, process as an immigrant, getting to a new country, trying to get the best out of your possibilities and step by step. So I, I graduated from Casa Fullerton. Uh, I got very involved with the NHJ, uh, being the president of, of my chapter at CSUF, and later on, I became the a, the NHA student representative, overseeing more than 20-plus chapters that we have across the country. So I love leadership. I love interviewing people. I love getting to connect with other um, communities and get, get to know their leaders, uh, what they're trying to do. And finally, well, advocating. I think that's, that's the mission that I have up to this moment. So I know that was like a long biography already, but that's a little bit of what I think I do. Yeah, I guess that was one of the the shortest we had. <laughs> oh, perfect. Look at that. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, but um, can we expand a little bit on your work at Unidos US? It's very interesting how you are always, uh, like right now you are just clicking on advocating, advocating. And I know that a few years ago, I would say, There was this new term like um, advocated journalist, something like that. And I would like to say, do you feel like that's a very good representation of yourself? And which tools do you give to these people that you were just mentioning? That's a great question. Yes, of course, I think I consider myself as, a, as an advocate journalist. Um, I know that, I mean, well, first of all, first things first, um, I got my major in political science. And I'm minor in communications. Um, but I do have my, my different uh, partners uh, along the way, uh, friends in journalism, in the industry, that, of course, they tell me it's really hard to be an advocate and at the same time a journalist, right? Because we have the uh, the most basic debate on, well, we got to stay unbiased. 
right? There's no red. There, We're there's be no objective. Blue. Correct. <laughs> and and I gotta tell you, of course, it's hard. I mean, coming from a community of color as Latinos, uh, at least in my perspective, uh, was really hard since the beginning. So yes, I consider myself an advocate journalist. The reason why is that, and I think we were talking a little bit before starting the podcast, uh, Beatriz, in our community as Hispanics, uh, we have the responsibility to inform our community. But there's a specific case within the Hispanic community that more than just inform, we need to give the tools. So we know what happened with the uh, midterms in 2022, last year. And we know how everyone talks about how Latinos, uh, we participate a lot, but maybe there should be some kind of guidance towards, well, why are you voting red? Or why are you voting blue? And most of the answers are, well, because my dad, my mom, they vote blue. They have been voting blue for the past 20 years. That's why I'm voting blue. Well, we need more than that, right? I mean, yeah. do, do you really understand the, the the policies that candidates are trying to propose? Uh, do you like the candidates uh, or do you like the proposals? Do you like the impact that they have in your local community? That's where I enter, right? So as Unidos US, um, writing that content is to let people know, okay, this is our issue in political, uh, this, the political spectrum in our country. And these are some of the tools. How do you want to engage with your community? Well, we have some people that they tell us, well, I, I know that my responsibility is to vote. Excellent. All right. So we're going to give you your local policy elected official where you can get a conversation with that person. So at the end of the of the of the day, what we're trying to do is that, OK, we're informing, but we're also giving you some ways in, in which you can engage and not only just being a passive participant of society, but actually, okay, do you want to participate? Let us know and we're going to put you on the debate, right? And we're going to put you as protagonists in the conversation. That is mind-blowing yeah. because as Latinos, we know how family and like heritage and all this thing, like being very in sync with your family is very important. So that's why sometimes people are like, you know, they do that for 20 years. I would do like for... 30 more but at the same time it's so important to have like different views I mean I can go through whatever like my mom says and whatever but you know I live in another age I have a different mentality you know I cannot just do whatever was done 20 totally. years ago yeah and I think that it's very important to teach them and show the tools and say like hey you have like a chance to give your opinion about whatever you want yeah. and show your voice yeah That is great. Yeah, and more in our generation, right, Patrice? I mean, we, we are, most of us, millennials or Gen Z, and we understood that what worked in the past, it's not going to work today. And probably our children, they're not going to be working with the same policies as we work today. Yeah. And uh, we can talk about environmentalist uh, policies, um, the political spectrum, how, unfortunately, every single year it's more polarized. So we have more people who they are more blue and more people who they are more red, but there's no moderate. Um, there's no a, a big moderate population. Maybe we are the solution. Maybe we're the ones that instead of just going red or blue, we're kind of more kind of like this purple, <laughs> if you want to call it like that, um, and just picking what we think it's best for, for the country. Uh, I know I'm too into politics <laughs> right now, but but that's, that's what I do, right? <laughs> Once again, we were just talking about <laughs> advocacy, right? Yeah. I mean, we inform, but, but there should be something else rather than just saying, okay, these are our, your options. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why I called you. It's just so you can, like openly talk about yourself, your work, things that you're proud of that you've been doing and change lives of like a bunch of right. young minds. And uh, I just wanted to talk also about your role with NHJ. 
which I think it's very important as well because if we have more NHJ in the schools and everything, I feel like people would feel more more supported, more journalists would feel supported because like I told you uh, before we started recording, I feel so supported by my friends and board members that are like, you know what, you're Brazilian, you speak Portuguese, but you're a Latina, you should be like a board member, you should be included. And that makes me feel so happy and accepted here that it's it's great. Can you talk more about your job? Totally. And I, I'll tell you a quick story. When I came here to the States and uh, I was getting more involved once again, because like my life is just between leadership, politics and, <laughs> and communications. <laughs> uh, when I began my, my journey at, at Cassia Fullerton, um, the first two weeks, as any other college student, I mean, you are frightening, right? You are so, so nervous because you know no one at school. And uh, the first week, I heard someone talking about NHJ. And uh, someone, a dear friend of mine, invited me to come one to, one to, of, uh, to one of their meetings. Well, long story short, when I was there, uh, just by because I was Latino, even though I didn't... F- uh, feel part of that community of CSUF because it was like my first week. They were so welcoming and they were just uh, embracing the fact that we are familia, right? That we are family. So that was like the first session that I attended and they were so, um, they had they got like this warm welcome towards me. Uh, they were even like hugging me and like, hey, how are you doing, Jorge? Like, we hope that you enjoy your your stance here at, at the NHA at CSUF, and we hope to uh, continue seeing you later on uh, for, the, for the next weeks. So I was just a regular member. Uh, but once again, we need some initiative within ourselves. So next semester, I was like, well, I want to be part of the board. I want to see what we do, right? So as I was getting more responsibility in these leadership positions at CSUF, I was very involved as well on giving the voice to Latino students or just NHA students across the country. And uh, most of the people, they, they don't know, but I mean, we have, um, every year we have elections at NHA and the position for the NHA student rep opens every year. So I got into this election process. I was uh, contacting every single NHA student across the country that I knew. And I was very random and I was very um, intentional. I was emailing people and I was like, well, I, I know you don't know me, but <laughs> I am but a I candidate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a candidate for the NHA student rep position. I don't know if uh, you want to chat a little bit. Once again, this was on, um, during the pandemic. So we were just through Zoom. And at the end, I got the position as the NHA student rep. So what, what was my job? Number one, uh, bring more diversity to, N- to NHA. We have the LGBTQ community. We have um, also Afro-Latino community. And uh, I am more than glad that we have people who, even though they don't speak Spanish, they identify themselves as Latino. And I was like, excellent. That's what we need. So we need more diversity. So I started collaborating to creating more panels towards this. And number two, as the NHJ student rep, I strengthened this capacity of uh, having a student committee. So I knew that we needed more representation from our uh, fellows in Florida, our fellows in the East Coast, uh, Northwest, the West Coast, right? So I had this student committee. We were working on different panels, um, and we even have these um, monthly cafecitos. So one of, the, of this idea was just to chat. I mean, we had like 20, half an hour, maybe an hour, just discussing, okay, how's your semester going? And we had some people, they were like, Jorge, terrible like i don't even know what's going on with my life it's just terrible i want to get some coffee right now uh, please get it it was on, on saturdays and we had this community we had this bonding so during one year we were just enjoying the fact that even though we were through zoom we had the opportunity to 
feel identified with their experience uh, and your experience, right? We're just sharing uh, our process as a college student uh, journalist. And uh, finally, at the end of of, of all of these uh, activities that we were doing um, was to get more participation in conference as well. Um, Because the NHA conference is this um, premier event that we have every year. And last year was in Vegas. So imagine uh, we were just so happy that after a year of working together virtually, we had the opportunity to be in person. So we hugged each other. And once again, we made sure that familia is everywhere. And I think that's just like summarizes a little bit of the work that I did as, as a student rep. Now, what I do is that I'm advocating once again for uh, for college students. Always advocating. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm doing is just participating in the summits, right? Getting along with uh, new student journalists who they uh, want to be part of NHA. And we are trying to promote this in community colleges. That's the vision for this next year, that we can get more um, community college students who they're like, okay, I know I am just in this journey of two years before transferring. Well, we want to make sure that those two years, journalism or communications is your passion, grabbing the NHA and grabbing what the NHA offers to you. Yeah. Whoa. That was that was beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I totally understand the cafecitos uh, because... In our group here at CSUN, we usually bring soda, water, snacks, but we get like, you know, uh, whoever is Mexican, you know, Mexican snacks, uh, this other Latino snacks. The other day I brought like Brazilian snacks. And, hey, I love that. And yeah, me and Lupita, we were like, oh no, but this thing, we have like kind of a variant in, in Mexico. That's cool. That's nice. And and then you get to know like people even like through their food, which is really nice so those cafecitos they really help us yeah right (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh, can we talk a little more about the summit we me and my club we had jorge once this semester already (laughs) just to talk to the students but then we finally met in person this saturday so can you talk a little bit more about your experience in the summit this this saturday what did you see that it was really nice. People getting um, the information, going after what they want. You said it perfectly, Beatriz. Networking, right? I think sometimes as journalists, we we focus a lot on our development, which I think is great. And uh, what kind of opportunities uh, this summit brings to us, right? Uh, we are waiting to get to know that employer, that recruiter, and to impress that person, get our opportunity, right? Grow our opportunity and be like, yes, uh, that's why I came to the summit, right? Because at the end of it, I want to get an internship. I want to get a job. And I love that. Besides that, my favorite part of it is networking. So actually getting to know that person that you see on social media that is doing great. You're like, oh, I love his content or I love her content, right? And at the end, be like, I have you in person. Of course, I got to talk to you. I got to say, hey, how did you produce this content? Because I love it. Every single time I open Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, I see you. And that humbleness of that other person that this happens in every NHA summit or at any event from NHA. Um, something that we always try to do is to to have that that relationship that more than just professionals, we're friends. So if you want to know something about what I do, of course, I'm going to tell you. I'll tell you the techniques. I'll tell you the tips, right? And I think that at the end of, of the summit, uh, I had the opportunity to talk to a lot of students and they were just telling the same thing, right? Like, oh, I thought this person was going to be like super professional, super serious. But now like I just added that person on Instagram and like literally like my best friend. And now I'm going to talk to him about like what else can I do and maybe any advice that he has on, on my resume or my demo reel or whatnot, uh, my production. So that's what I love. I think that's my favorite part. 
Yeah, I feel like most of being a journalist is being like a networker. Because、mm-hmm. wherever you go, you're always networking.、Mm-hmm. If you're not gonna be just a friend, you have like someone that you know that can be interviewed for that thing, or someone that did that project、yep. that you are interested in. So journalists, they are always networking. I feel like this is one of the keywords that we have, like in our profession. That's it. I think it's like soft skills on your resume. Okay, yeah, networker. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> correct. For sure. Yeah. And I guess one of the most important、uh, questions to ask you: How did you end up here in the US? I know. How? Why? When? We want to know all the details. Yeah, I've got no <laughs> idea. No, I'm kidding. Like, <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing it. No, I mean the thing is that,、uh, well, yes.、Yeah, so five years ago, I was finishing my high school in Mexico.、Um, I was born and raised in、uh, Monterrey. Which is this northern city, maybe six, seven hours from、um, Houston, Texas.、Okay. So it's in in the north of Mexico. I was perfectly fine. Like <laughs> I had my friends. I was studying, getting into like the most prestigious universities in Monterrey. So I was very comfortable. Thankfully, I was I was very blessed by God, and I got my family, my friends, and whatnot. However,、um, on summer of 2017, and this is like the reality. I'm not like faking anything. Like I didn't know I had this aunt. Living here in in LA, I didn't know. She just called my family, and、um, what a coincidence that I was the one picking up the phone、uh, at, at my place, and I was like, "Who's this?" And she's like, "I'm your aunt." And I was like, "What the heck?" I was like, <laughs> "I never heard about you." <laughs> I'm like, "No, for real, I, I didn't." And I was like, "I think this is kind of like spam or scam. Like, I don't, I don't even know if it's like a real person." And then I talked to my dad, and it's from my dad's family, and he was like, "Oh yeah, no, it, it, it's your aunt, Tutia." And I was like, "Oh okay." Then I was like, "Yeah okay, tell tell me,、uh, what do you need?" <laughs> and she was. It's like, well, no, I just want to like visit you guys. Like,、uh, I was also、uh, born in Monterrey, but she's been living here in the U.S. for more than thirty years. So, I mean, practically, she's American. I mean, all her life, she's, she's living here in L.A. Now she lives in Vegas. But well, at the time,、um, she visited our family that summer of 2017, and she was very motivated to somehow encourage my family to live in the U.S. as well, because of course, you know, I mean, there's nonstop violence in Mexico and insecurity and whatnot. I mean, it's been always part of it. Plus the opportunity. Is that you guys would have here? Correct.、Yeah. Correct. So y- you know the deal, right? So she was very、uh, encouraging us to to live in the U.S. But my family, they were kind of like, well, I mean, we are very comfortable here. Like we don't want to move. <laughs> but I was the only one who was like,、I'm、I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, if you want to, I can try. And my mom, she was like, Are you sure? And I was like. Yeah, of course. I mean, I thought in the moment that I was gonna be living here in the U.S. for I don't know six months or whatever, like on vacation. Or I was like super happy. I was seventeen. I was like, yeah, let's do it. My mom, she was like, well, but you gotta finish school. And my aunt, she was like,、well, you can finish it here in the U.S. You can finish your high school. I was like, okay. So I didn't really care at the moment. I was like, let's do it just because maybe something good gotta happen. And when I came here to the states in summer 2017, before leaving into the airport in Monterrey,、um, I was very nervous. So I was just like, well, now I'm not sure if I wanna do this. <laughs> My mom, she was like, "Well, there's no going back, so for sure you're going." And I was like, "Mom, I don't want to do this anymore." So at the end, it was kind of like she pushed me to, "Hey, you said yes, so now, like, you you gotta finish it." I was like, "All right." I came here to the states, and this is like my personal experience. I was very excited, and at the same time, I felt into this loneliness that I didn't really know anyone at the moment. But something shocked me.、Um, like two, three weeks after I, I came here to the states, of course, when my mom she was calling me on FaceTime, she was like, "How are you doing?" I was like, "Amazing!" I was like, "Living my best life. Don't worry about me. I'm doing great." And then after we hang up, I was like almost crying. I was like, "What am I doing here? I don't, I don't know anyone. Why am I finishing high school here if I had all my friends in Mexico?" Right. So、um, after that shocked, 
I don't know, something in, in myself um, told me like, well, I mean, there's always a purpose. I don't know how, but I just got so motivated after that. And I was like, okay, you know, if we have a purpose, if I love communications, if I love politics, I'm going to take advantage of the opportunity being here in the US. All right. So my mindset just changed. And I started interviewing politicians, uh, creating my own project when I was like 17, 18 years old. Uh, nothing official. I was just like posting on social media. I was very passionate. And um, when I got into community college, I continued developing public speaking skills. I started giving these speeches because I'm a public speaker, right? I started giving these presentations to high school students. I got so much empowerment after that experience that later on, um, after two or three years passed, I was confident of who I was and what I wanted to do. So when I was at CSUF, I got enrolled into this communications class, uh, Aldea, which was uh, like our broadcast. And and I love being in, in front of camera, right? So I was like my passion. That was something super sweet. That was so a soft transition. I loved it. So... I continue producing that content on social media, uh, giving the news, right? Just sharing the news to our community, the Latino community, in bilingual. I was majoring in political science. I was minoring in communications. But I always knew that we got to have the initiative to try something new, right? And to risk it. So I was into the NBC applications for internships on um, summer 2020. And I applied and applied and applied to every single uh, application that I saw. I, I believe I applied to 50 applications. I got rejected 48 of those. <laughs> That's a normal for a right? journalist, I would say. <laughs> I think that there is a moment that we need to accept a rejection, right? And instead of us just feeling defeated and be like, oh my God, I don't want to do this anymore, you should try it once again and once again and once again. I got expect accepted to these two. And the first one that I got was in Miami, Florida. So I loved I had the opportunity to go. But since we were in pandemic, I did it remotely, right? So I was like, okay, oh. kind of like, a, I was kind of bugged. I was like, oh, I wish I could be like in Miami and like having all the experience. But thankfully, that led me to another internship in San Diego. I took that internship. I was there for uh, six months, I believe. And then they offered me that position for story producing. So I became a story producer. I did that for a few months. But once again, I had something in myself that was telling me, boo, we need to advocate, right? Uh, politics. We need the Latino community to know what they're going to be voting for. So then I uh, transitioned into Needles US. And now here we are. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's been a journey. It's been a journey. Yeah. yeah. Five years. Just time flies. Yeah. I don't think I can relate to your like super homesickness because <laughs> I was always like, mom, I want to go. I want to go. I'm going to go when I'm in high school. And then I, I didn't have the opportunity in high school. And my mom was like, uh, I think my company is going to open something. They might want me to go there. Like, let's start looking for colleges. I found CISA and I was like, okay, that sounds cool. We came, we visited. I was like, yes, I want to do like at least six months. The same six months yep. that every Latino says to yep. their family, uh -huh, uh -huh. which is never like, <laughs> never six it's months. It's never six months. No. You were going to stay for sure. Like, <laughs> for the sure. rest of your life. <laughs> and then like, I was like, okay, I can do like the, the SAC program, which is just like semester at CISA. And then I, I was like, okay. Halfway through my semester, I started the process of transferring my credits from my Brazilian university to wow. here because I had put it on hold for a semester. And then I just talking to my mom, I was like, mom, so, you know, I did it. I kind of want to stay. <laughs> I hope that you like support me and wow. it's going to be like, you know, always hyping me up to do everything that I that I want so that I can follow my dreams. And yeah, like I love five years later, I'm still here. I'm getting my master's already. And that's like... And congrats for that too. Thank you. And it's such a like proud moment to my mom. Like, does she get mad? Or like, you know, sad that I 
always like wanted to be here and that I want to be here that I'm not homesick at all for sure but <laughs> <laughs> but she's like she's singing me do all of these things and achieve all the things that I've ever wanted so I guess like that's very rewarding for her totally I bet she's so proud I hope so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she should that's what I'm trying to do and- Hey listeners, I have a great news for you. I'm here to incentivize you to create your own podcast just like me. I couldn't think of a better partner than Buzzsprout, and I recommend them for you as a beginner in podcasting. Buzzsprout can help you with publishing your own podcast in every major platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. They also automatically publish on your personalized website, and they give you all the statistics in detail that you want. To start your own podcast and to win a $20 Amazon gift card, follow the instructions on the link in my show notes. If I can do it, you can do it too. Good luck on creating your very own podcast. And I also wanted to talk to you about your articles that you publish at Pro Network. And oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, okay, yes, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you got to this part in my in my other episodes, but I do, like, uh, digital, like, research, oh my guess. I love that. LinkedIn, Instagram, Linktree, wow. everything. Wow, wow. <laughs> and I saw that most of the, um, the articles, they are very much empowering. Yeah. They are about leadership and yeah. all these things. Where do you find uh, different... Um, topics to talk about in those articles mm. because you know sometimes can get repetitive but somehow you do like really I, well <laughs> I read thanks. it <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much but I love reading I love reading I think that it was a habit that I didn't that I didn't really practice two years ago but once again I think like for some people the pandemic was just like a horrible experience in my experience thankfully it was a blessing I Somehow, I really like to try to discover new topics about productivity and leadership and motivation and personal development. So I started reading a little bit more about like those kind of topics. So that's how I somehow get inspiration from um, writing for those articles that because I love reading. Uh, I don't know. I have like this goal that every single year from now on, I need to read 10 books for sure. So go. these are like, okay, at least... W- Every single month, I got to start a new book. So if there is a concept that I see in in a book, I don't know, personal transformation or um, retention of attention, daily basis or whatever, um, I I, I like to just highlight it and be like, okay, I want to research a little bit more on on this concept and how we can actually get some tips or advice to put them into practice. Because I think most of the times when we read articles, it's very, um, it involves a lot of theory. So you get to know the concept, but you don't really know how to put it in your life, right? So I'm kind of like against that. I'm like, okay, yes, I love the theory. I know that, wow, I learned this concept that I think it's fabulous, but how can I actually put it into practice? So I always like to give like three or four uh, tips on on how to to get that. And, and And I love those topics. I mean, productivity, it's something that I love reading that I'm like, okay, if at work, I know that I have like three or four meetings per day. How can I maximize the 20-minute meeting that we have 
in the next couple of hours? How can I advance the tasks that I need to do in order for me to be okay in my to-do list? There's nothing else I, I need to do. I love that. So I love productivity. I love the leadership and I love um, empowering through specific parts of our daily life, whether that just talks about uh, your your professional life, uh, how to get more organized or how to, I don't know, from getting a um, Google Calendar and how you can get advantage of the what the app offers, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a Google Calendar type of person. <laughs> I can't. If it's not like in my agenda, my physical one, it's never happening. I'm going to forget <laughs> about it. <laughs> I think yeah. there's different styles too. Maybe your oh, style yeah. is more creative. Yeah. Oh yeah, probably. I'm, I'm very much like a box. Like I have like thousand colors in my calendar telling me like, oh, this is a meeting. This is a task. This is family gathering. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine is just like, oh, let me go after it. Because you know, I'm very crafty by the way. Yeah, yeah. maybe it's the creative yeah. thing in me. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, no, I love but, that. Yeah, but I get a lot of this uh, searching for things to do in the pandemic because I was... You know, I think everybody hit a little bit of a rock bottom in the pandemic somehow. But, you know, it's good to always, like, come up. And I was always trying to find, like, different courses that I could do. Okay. I even did one in ancient masterpieces at Harvard Wow, University. hey, I okay. Like, I was like, oh, okay. I had to read, like, those big books and, like, reading about, like, super ancient stuff and their theories and everything. I was like... That's so interesting. Okay, yeah. I th- right. no, my mom was like, oh, why are you doing an ancient masterpiece? I was like, you know that I want to use this side of cultural, like in my journalism? Because I feel like entertainment journalism, there's so much more than celebrity that I want to bring like ancient masterpieces. Like I feel like museums, you can find like the most crazy thing ever oh, yeah. and nobody talks about oh, it. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I might have access to like give these people history about things that happen, things that exist, and we don't even know about it. And that's so cool. I love it. <laughs> I think some people, they, they find it, like, nerdy. But I'm like, hey, boy, I'm like, no, no, learn about this. I mean, you're going to be, like, mind-blowing, and you're going to be like, wow, okay. Right? I have, I don't know, so many things to learn from museums. It's books, not whatever. every day that you're like, oh, let me hear, let me go here and read the Iliad or Homer or whatever. <laughs> But I had to do it, and it was really cool because they, like, they gave us the books and everything. So, like, this this search for not purpose, but something to do and something to learn and talk, I feel like it's so communicator stuff. Yeah. Because <laughs> we are always trying to tell people, like, did you know about that? Because, like, I have this information here. Yeah, it was really helpful reading some of those, mm. even though I don't like much, like, self-help type of things, you uh-huh. know. I'm always like, mm, I'm kind of... Skeptic. Yeah, yeah, skeptical. I know. No, I know. Like, no, no. B- before the pandemic, I was like when... I, I love going to Barnes & Noble. Oh. I love it, right? It's just it. like like your world, right? And you are like super interested. I got like my coffee and I'm like, wow, okay, I want to see like new books. And I remember when I was passing like through like the personal growth uh, section, I was like, maybe it's going to be a scam. They're going to tell you like how to be happy in three words or whatever. And I was like, no, I don't believe that. I don't know what happened. But I mean, during the pandemic, I was like, at least I'm going to try one of those books. I started reading and I was like, okay, this is my new passion. Like, I love putting into practice small details of life that we can take advantage from. Mm-hmm. And actually, they can turn your life or at least your perspective yeah. of life into a more positive way. Yeah. And I think that helped me out throughout the pandemic. Maybe that's why I look at that's it as good. it was a blessing for me instead of just yeah. like, it, it was really bad. Because <laughs> I mean, of course, it was really bad. But I mean, <laughs> for millions of people. But I mean, from, yeah. from your personal outlook, right? Yeah, yeah of yeah. course. Well, maybe my listeners are here, like, as witnesses. I'm going to give it a try to one book. I love it. All right. One book only. 
if you have any tips and tricks, where should I start? I'll, I'll read it. Leave your recommendations. <laughs> we'll wait for I want those. your recommendations. Oh, for sure. I'll give <laughs> yeah. you one. I'll give you one. Perfect. And just so we can wrap up a little bit our conversation, which is like, it's so good talking. I feel like we're having super nice conversation. I love it. Tell me a little more about your public speaking um, personality. Where did it begin? How... Did you achieve everything that you've been achieving with public speaking? I love that question just because, I mean, I think that's how everything started in my life. When I was 11 years old, back in Mexico, I was invited to this public speaking contest. So I was just a kid, right? I was like 11 years old. But, but you know how we're kids, right? We love talking and speaking and talking for hours and just like blah, 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 blah to our moms. And like at class, I was interrupting sometimes like my professors, my teachers. Back then, and they were like, Jorge, I think this contest is just perfect for you. And I was like, what do I need to do? Talk. I was like, oh. awesome. <laughs> I was like, all right, where, where do I sign up? And um, I got this amazing public speaking uh, teacher. And I just love like the techniques that we use, changing the tone of our voice, speaking quickly, and then stop those pauses. For me, that was so artistic. I was like, wow, like... It's so amazing for me how words, they have an impact. So the topic that I chose, it was something related to how can we change our future from a young age? Like, again, right? This Again, advocating. for the million times, yes, <laughs> advocating. So I was so curious about it. And I was like, how can I have this unique style to empower my peers, um, my, my audience? So I practiced uh, several times that speech and I got the opportunity to, to share that speech with, um, I think it was like 50 other students who they were also contestants at, at this uh, public speaking contest. And I won. At the end, they were just sharing, you know, third, second, first place. And I got the first place and I was like, <gasps> and I felt so, so happy that I was like, I'm so satisfied that with this speech, I can empower other, people's to, other people to, to be better or to, to achieve their goals. So that was the moment that it clicked. I was like, perfect. All right, this is going to be my passion. Year after year, I started getting into this public speaking contest. Year after year. I did that straight, like four years. So after school, between 5 to 7 p.m., I was practicing for this contest. That crazy I was for this public speaking contest. More than just winning, because I was like, I mean, of course, that's cool. Getting out there, right? And and overcoming this fear of public speaking, because I think that that's what we all fear, right? When we're presenting at a class, we're just like, I don't want to say something stupid because they're gonna be like what the heck with this guy right so I was like no, I, I want to overcome the fear so after those three years I was like all right before uh, besides just public speaking contest I want to be a public speaker I want to continue empowering other students so I began going to high schools knocking the door I want to give a speech to our students I was telling like my like these other professors that I didn't even know administrative people from other schools and they were like All right, that's kind of weird that you want to give a speech. But for sure, yeah, I mean, there's tomorrow 4 p.m. We have a class. Are you willing to come? Yes, I'll go. And I was sacrificing my time after school and getting into uh, a taxi or uh, a cab, whatever, and going to that high school. So passionate about it. So I did that for some years. And uh, thankfully, I got the opportunity to be in leadership forums and whatnot. They started inviting me. They're saying paying for, for me to, to talk to their students. I loved it. That's my passion. I came here to the States. I continue doing the same thing. And right now, I had the opportunity to be speaking to more than 50,000 students up to this moment and teachers and parents. I'll continue doing that until the day I die. Yeah. Look at the story that you can tell to the 11-year-old kid who wanted to just right. like do something. Right. That yeah. is a, that's a story to tell him. Yeah. 
yeah. I bet he would be proud. Oh, yes. For sure. Maybe he'll cry. <laughs> Maybe a little. Like, I love that. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. just like my fun question at the end, which advice would you give to a journalist who wants to start advocating, but it's too afraid because journalism is unbiased? Right. Gotcha in that one. Yeah, that's a really good one. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I think like for the first time in the podcast, there was like a pause, you know, like, <laughs> yes. are they going for commercials? No, he's just thinking how to respond to this question. Well, I think there's always clever ways of advocating. We don't need to just express ourselves heavily about what we think is right for our community, but there's always clever ways. Um, for example, if we're talking about elections, of course, we're gonna we're not going to tell people, hey, you know, like these red people are trying to, of course not. We're just going to like point out people and be like, hey, these are the wrong people and blue is correct or vice versa. Red is good, blue is bad. But if we start displaying the ground with the facts, I think it's very easy today to differentiate what's good and what's bad for your community. I don't think we need to dig that much, if that makes sense. So if we know that this candidate, he or she is not good for our country, we can just display the facts. I believe at least three-fourths of the population, of the Hispanic population, or whoever is a journalist, will understand that what we're trying to say is just like, okay, be careful who you're going to be choosing for the next four years. Advocating, I think, is just a responsibility for every journalist because nowadays we have so much misinformation and we cannot just speak in a lower tone. Well, these are the facts. Mm -mm. We need to be very vertical, very intentional. Like, hey, guys, these are the facts. And the guy that you said or like on social media, you see that he's an angel. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> These are the facts, right? I think like most of us as journalists, we think like, oh, well, if we're speaking bad about this guy, we should also be speaking bad about this other guy in the same article. No, there's no obligation for you to talk about this other guy if your article focuses on this guy and why he's being a, a, a bad politician. So I think we just need to take out those kind of um, practices that old um, journalism has has given us in the past years. Journalism has changed. And we understand that any citizen, if you have a camera and you point out at, um, at a crash or whatever, uh, you are a journalist already. You're a citizen journalist and you post it on social media. They know what's going on in your community. Well, you are a journalist. So I don't think it's bad for you to be more intentional on what you want to express to the community. It's, I think now it's very easy to just display facts and for them to know what's good and bad. So I don't think it's that hard. But it's just about taking those practices of old school out of your way. Wise words. And whoever wanted to do advocating, here you go. How to start it. Yes. <laughs> Plus read the books. <laughs> yes. Very important. Very important. Yeah. But unfortunately, our time ended. And Jorge, muchas gracias por gracias. estar aquí. Yeah, I loved it. Thanks yeah. so much once again for inviting me. Yeah, of course. And all for you guys that are listening to the podcast, don't forget to check our Facebook, leave the comments, like every post. And also other information and websites are going to be in my show notes. So don't miss that. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. 